Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. The latest from 7 News with Michael Usher. Good evening and welcome. Tonight, Australia's vaccine milestone as the race to more freedoms accelerates. Sydney's plan to reopen and Victoria announces a lockdown timeline. New predictions for borders in the economy. Josh Frydenberg joins me. And a Paralympic hero, you would have seen him, the Hulk, Todd Hodgetts, joins me from Tokyo. But first, tomorrow we'll hit an impressive COVID vaccine target. 60% of all eligible Australians having received at least one dose. In the last 24 hours, the nation recorded its second highest daily vaccination total, more than 334,000. Almost 19.7 million doses have now been administered. At this rate, 70% of Australians will be fully vaccinated by October 29, meaning the beginning of a national reopening could be 58 days away. Around two weeks later, 80% of us will have received both doses. Helping boost that national number, New South Wales is just hours away from having 70% of adults partially vaccinated. Our reporter Serena Andalora is live in Sydney tonight. Serena, good evening to you. Now, there were new details today about the freedoms people could expect. There are, Michael, and those freedoms could be just weeks away. In the most detailed plan we have seen yet, the Premier is talking about opening up restaurants, pubs, gyms, shops, and my personal favourite, the hairdresser, but businesses urged to reopen and prepare for that, um, that date which is approaching, that double-dose 70% vaccination rate, which will... Uh, expected to be passed around October 17. Now, um, when we reach 80% vaccinations, we will be seeing, can you believe it, 80 um, international travel return with people quarantining inside their homes rather than in hotels. But there is some doubt about domestic travel with premiers are reluctant to be cautious about that 80% vaccination rate, which was agreed upon at National Cabinet. Now, as you mentioned, in the next few days, single doses are expected to hit 70% here in New South Wales, much sooner than we first anticipated. But we did see 1,116 new cases today. Mm. We are so far from being out of the woods. Yeah. In fact, the Premier says we haven't seen the peak yet. Uh, Hospitalisations expected to peak uh, mid-October, Michael. Yeah, some weeks to go, indeed. All right, Serena Adeloro in Sydney, thank you. The Victoria Premier has admitted that the only way out is to vaccinated, uh, vaccinate, rather, finally turning his back on the plan to eliminate the virus. We can't ease restrictions today in any profound way. I don't think anyone was expecting that, but it's simply not possible. What we're aiming for has changed. We were aiming to drive it down and have cases falling. It's now on the advice of the experts that is not possible. So now we have to contain the growth of cases and the speed at which they increase. Well, Estelle Greepink is live in Melbourne. Tonight, Estelle, good evening to you. A sharp switch in strategy, but necessary. 
Well, yes, Michael, and that's because the game has changed, particularly because of those new cases we saw today. 120 new cases, 100 of those weren't isolating at home. And this is the biggest number of cases we've seen since August 23, 2020. So while a lot of us were holding on to hope that we'd see some major restrictions lifted today, unfortunately, that wasn't the case. Really, we're now being told that we'll need to wait till around September 23 or when 70% of eligible Victorians have had at least one dose of vaccine. And even then, unfortunately, when those restrictions are lifted, they will only be minor. We'll still have limits on exercise and travel. So it's been a disappointing day here in Victoria, but we're told it is necessary. In a little bit of good news, though, Michael, I can tell you that playgrounds are reopening from midnight tomorrow. So we can expect to see some happy faces on playgrounds from Friday morning. And also regional areas should be opening up sometime next week. All right, two bits of good news. There is a lot hinging on vaccine numbers in Victoria now, Estelle. There certainly is. It's really a shift from trying to drive things down to zero to getting people vaccinated as much as possible. And that is because Delta is just moving so quickly through our community. It's expected after 120 cases today, we will see more cases, more exposure sites. And that is why it's all about getting vaccinated. We are being reminded to go out and get vaccinated with whatever is available to us. And certainly we are trying to get to that 70% mark. We are lagging behind New South Wales, but we are all doing our best trying to get out of this lockdown and back to life as normal. All right, still grouping in Melbourne. Thank you. Contact tracers are tonight chasing down Queenslanders at risk of crossing paths with a COVID positive truck driver who travelled from south of the border. Our reporter Georgie Chumley is in Brisbane for us tonight. Georgie, good evening to you. So, were they out in the community for very long? Good evening, Michael. Just one day last Thursday, but the driver covered a lot of ground, spending almost an hour at a truck stop in Archerfield in Brisbane South in the morning, then driving to Gundawindi on the border, spending an hour at a service station that night before heading back to New South Wales, only to return a positive COVID test today. And Georgia, pause on hotel quarantine for Queenslanders returning from hotspots is being lifted, albeit in a pretty small way, just 50 rooms to start with. Now, the Premier's warned if you open the borders too fast, you put the youngest in harm's way. Let's have a listen to that first. You open up this state and you let the, you let the virus in here and every child under 12 is vulnerable. Every single child, if anyone has any children under 12 to zero is vulnerable because they are the unvaccinated, Mr Speaker. All right. Um, fairly alarmist language on her feet today in Parliament. The Premier not wanting to open the virus floodgates, as, as she puts it. Georgie, do we know who those first rooms are going to go to? Well, individuals prioritised for early entry will be contacted by Queensland health officials, but thousands more who had their border passes cancelled will have to reapply for them from Monday. It'll be more difficult to be approved. Anyone wanting to relocate to Queensland will have to provide proof either of employment or demonstrate they've permanently changed their residential status. The move is copying extra criticism after NRL officials and families were given permission to jet into the Sunshine State yesterday while Queenslanders still remain stranded on the other side of the border. Some double standards. All right, Georgie Chumley in Brisbane, thank you. New figures reveal that the economy grew by 0.7% in the three months to June, but it's perhaps the calm before the storm because the figures only include the very beginning of the East Coast lockdowns. The Federal Treasurer, Josh Frydenberg, joins me now from Canberra. Treasurer, thanks for joining the latest again. 
Nice to be with you, Michael. The figure is positive, but I guess the monster's hiding under the bed and could scare the heck out of you in the September quarter. <laughs> How big a bite out of the economy then? Well, Treasury is expecting that the economy will contract by at least 2% in the September quarter, and that reflects the fact that we've seen our two largest states, New South Wales and Victoria, go through extended lockdowns. But today's national account numbers are a solid result, 9.6% through the year. It was better than what the market was expecting. But you're right, the next quarter will be harder news to take. You say 2% could be up to 4%, according to some economists, but that's billions, isn't it, out of the economy? Well, the lockdowns right now, Michael, are costing us about $2 billion a week in lost economic activity. And you layer upon that an extra billion dollars plus that we're spending in fiscal support. So the COVID disaster payment, the business support payments that we've reached uh, in partnership with all the uh, states and territories, that's costing the Commonwealth a lot of money, but it's money that needs to be spent to support Australian families and Australian businesses through what is a pretty tough time. Let's talk about opening up. The New South Wales mm. Premier today said she hopes that her citizens could enjoy overseas travel in November. Is that realistic? Well, again, we'd have to work through all those details, but we have an agreed uh, national plan through National Cabinet, which is that we ease the restrictions at 70 to 80 per cent. That means border uh, restrictions come to an end. That means people can move more freely. But that uh, national plan, Treasurer, is looking a little bit shaky right now. Can it go ahead as a national plan or are you going to have to accept it or we're going to have to accept that it will be fractured, that some states won't be on board? Well, I think it's really important that it goes ahead because, as we saw in Victoria today, a acknowledgement from Premier Andrews that you can't eliminate the Delta variant. The same applies in Queensland or Western Australia. They may keep their borders closed, but eventually this Delta variant will find its way into other communities. I mean, I think there's been a real sea change, actually, in the public sentiment towards living with the virus as opposed to living with these longer lockdowns. I mean, one of the big issues right now is the surge in teenagers going to hospitals with mental health issues. In Victoria, more than 340 teenagers a week oh, are terrible. turning up at hospitals with mental health issues. This is a 160% increase yeah on what the numbers were pre-pandemic. In New South Wales, it's about a 50% increase. And we probably all know, I certainly do, our families, friends, whose kids have really, really struggled. And so we've got to get the balance right. We've got to try to prevent uh, COVID spreading, but we've also got to ensure that people can get their lives back, can have hope for the future. 100% agree with that. The stick approach doesn't seem to be working with some premiers, particularly Mark McGowan in Western Australia. Is there a carrot? that can get him over the line and open that border once these targets are achieved? Well, I think the carrot is his economy. What you hear back from people in Western Australia is about labour force shortages in the construction sector, in their mining sector, and having people move more freely between states will be good news for that Western Australian economy. And in Queensland, Michael, a big part of that economy is tourism. Yeah. And so we need those borders to open up so that people from the southern states can fly into Queensland, spend their money and create jobs. You mentioned the labour shortage before. Is it crucial that, that we can get more foreign workers back into the country to help things like the tourism and hospitality industries when they reopen? Well, ultimately, we will see international students, we will see uh, skilled workers, we will see um, tourists uh, and of course Australians coming back home. We will see that movement across our borders much more frequently. 
we've got to take the medical advice before taking those steps. But already you've heard the Prime Minister talk about home quarantine as opposed to hotel quarantine. I think that's where the system is going. One last question. You're living in the lodge with the PM. How's that going? Oh, he's great company. Uh, we play a bit of billiards, uh, watch a few movies and, of course, talk a lot of shop. To be honest, uh, I'm not thinking about myself, not thinking about him. I'm thinking really right now about all those Australian families who are watching your show, yeah. who are living through lockdowns, and we want to ensure that they can see that light at the end of the tunnel. Spot on. Treasurer, thanks for your time. Thanks, Mike. You might find yourself waiting a little while longer before an online delivery gets to your door. Australia Post is playing catch up with record demand, temporarily pausing parcel collections from e-commerce retailers in our lockdown cities. The four-day suspension starts Saturday. The man who strapped a fake collar bomb to a Sydney schoolgirl is tonight out of prison. Paul Douglas Peters broke into the home of HSC student Maddie Pulver in 2011, holding her to ransom during a 10-hour ordeal. Peters was released on parole today. He's banned from drinking alcohol and must seek psychiatric treatment. Paralympic shot put thrower Todd Hodgetts may not have scored a medal in Tokyo, but he has won hearts right around the world. The gentle giant is nicknamed the Hulk and has a huge personality to match. This is what it's all about! This is what it's all about! This is what it's all about, and Todd Hodgetts joins us now from Japan. Todd, g'day to you. We love watching your performance. Uh, what a huge amount of passion. How are you in the village today? Um, uh, I've settled down quite a bit. Um, uh, just want to be very peaceful. <laughs> Tell me, I mean, we, I loved your emotion. I loved your, your everything about you there today. Where did that passion come from? Um, I was born with it. Uh, it was a God gift, I guess. Plain and simple. It, it, it's just my personality. What's it been like with all the great reaction from around Australia? You even spoke to the Prime Minister today via video link. Uh, yes, I did. Uh, that, that was great. Um, he's a great man. Um, we've got a lot in common. Um, we're both uh, descended from convicts. So we had a good chat about that and chatted about uh, Tasmania, um, which is my home state. And he talked about Sydney, which was good. Hey, what does your sport mean to you when you've, you've got the weight of that, that, that ball, that solid bit of steel in your hand? When you're out there, what does it feel like? Uh, it just feels like I've got a sword in my hand. And it, it's awesome. And I've got, I've got this, like, power. And it's just, it's just very energetic, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, as you can see in the picture, that's me. Um, they know me as Todd the Hulk Hodgetts, and I really proved a lot of people wrong. Even to make this team was very hard with all the situation we've been in. And everyone on this Paralympic team has got their own journey and I'm just the spokesman on the behalf of them. How do you describe your own journey though, Todd? Um, I just got lucky and um, people said I couldn't do things and I proved them wrong even since I was born. Um, I, I proved them wrong and, you know, I was lucky to live. Um, through the brain injury I had when I was born. So, um, you know, I had a lot of adversity and people would give me a hard time, but I try and look towards the future and forget about the bad past, I guess. One question before you go. This is your third games. You've got two medals. Do you have another games in you? Uh, I'm going to hopefully Brisbane. Um, I'll be 44 years of age. Why not? 
I've got nothing else to do in my life. I'll, keep, <laughs> I'll continue to train. I love this. <laughs> oh, I was born to do this, and I've got a great gift. And uh, um, I'm going to the world champs, hopefully, and then Paris, and then LA, and then, then the Brisbane. I, I want to go out in my home games. That's a plan. That is, that is a wonderful ambition. And you know what, Todd, we're going to follow you all the way and go for gold. We'll be following you. Congratulations again, and thanks for joining us. Thank you very much, and uh, thanks for all my Australian um, fans out there and Paralympic Australia, Athletics Australia and the Victorian Institute of Sport. You guys are awesome. Well, Taliban fire, uh, fighters rather, are rejoicing their total grip on power in Afghanistan by mocking the deaths of Allied troops. A fake funeral procession was held southeast of Kabul. Supporters of the militant group propping up coffins draped in American, British and French flags. As we go to air, a wildfire in California is charging towards neighbouring Nevada and threatening to cross state lines. Officials are warning tonight is a critical moment in the firefighting effort. Crews are about to go up against powerful winds set to hit in the coming hours. More than 55,000 people have been evacuated. Piers Morgan is tonight celebrating what he's called a resounding victory for free speech. The broadcaster has been cleared by the UK mediator, media regulator for his on-air comments about Meghan Markle following her interview with Oprah. 58,000 complaints were made, but the remarks weren't found to be in breach of any codes. It was the blockbuster touted as the biggest film to ever be made in Australia, bringing $350 million to New South Wales. But thanks to lockdown, Mad Max Furioso will now be shot in Eastern Europe. Network finance editor Gemma Acton joins me now. You've been having a look at this. A lot yeah. has changed since this was announced in April in New South Wales with much fanfare. There was, Michael. It was all looking so rosy back then. We had international film and TV crews and cast flocking here, partly because uh, the country was offering really generous incentives, not just state governments, but the federal government to put aside around half a billion dollars to incentivize production here. Uh, we also have just a great landscape. We have beaches and cities and ski fields, etc. So a, lo a lot there. But we'd obviously handled the pandemic so well until that point. Until then. Until then. Yeah. And so things have really taken a turn for the worse since then. But it's been a really rough couple of weeks for the New South Wales film industry. Firstly, Furiosa, of course, which we just mentioned, moving to Prague now, that had been expected to bring 850 jobs mm. with it. Uh, secondly, Days of Abandonment, Natalie Portman film. She firstly pulled out and then the whole production was cancelled. That was expected to bring in around $25 million. Uh, and then thirdly, Russell Crowe's thriller, which is called Poker Face, had been filming for around 11 weeks. Just six days left to shoot when somebody got uh, infected with COVID and so naturally productions have to pause yeah. everybody in isolation have to see uh, when that comes back online and i think i read future productions have been in jeopardy too because they can't go and scout for locations this the restrictions are too difficult so that's jeopardizing other works coming down the line as it's well. the same problem we have here in television everyone's just very very close contact yeah. so uh, yeah it's really difficult to get these up and running so bad, bad news for new south wales but is, is anyone else cashing in as well, other states reaping yes. the rewards uh, yeah. covid free queensland uh, is having a much better time but they also have an important film industry state government offers uh, generous incentives and disney is the latest to take advantage of those yeah. uh, as well as collect some money for from the federal government. They're going to start filming Nautilus next year. And that is for any Jules Verne fans. Um, it's an adaptation of his 1872 classic 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea. Uh, that is expected to bring in almost $100 million to the Queensland economy. Yeah, Disney's a big production. They so, really are. Yeah. And lots of jobs, 200 or so jobs, and then lots of extra roles oh. as well.
And the movie news I want to know, uh, the Bond film, <laughs> yes. the much-delayed Bond film, uh, No Time to Die. That's right. Is it coming out? Well, I've made you so many promises, none of them <laughs> turned out to be true. But we have a new date after it had been moved five times already. October the 8th in the US, November 11th here, which should hopefully dovetail very nicely with when we're looking at the economy opening up again. But what uh, if we can't get to a cinema then? Well, that's the hope. We're right. on target for 80% by the start of November, so fingers crossed. Well, you better be right. <laughs> I know. All right, Gemma, thank you. Thank you. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Welcome back. Time to discuss the biggest stories of the moment with our panellists, marketing expert Dee Madigan and journalist Carolyn Ovington. Great to see you both again. Now, the Premiers are again divided on borders. Gladys Berejiklian wanting New South Wales to open international borders before Christmas, while WA and Queensland, they're reluctant to open the state borders at 80%. Dee, I'll go to you first. What's the scenario here? Will some states just be left behind? Well, they can't do it on their own. It is a federal decision. And as much as we had Josh Frydenberg today saying he's open to that conversation, Dan Tian said very clearly that the nation's borders have to all open at the same time, which makes perfect sense because you can't have, you know, people flying into one area. You can't stop them going to other bits of the country. And then Josh Frydenberg, when pushed on it, said, actually, no, we can't just open up one bit. So I think it's all politicians want to be talking about hope for the future, but I think Gladys might have overstepped um, what she's actually capable of doing when it comes to uh, federal borders. So, Carolyn, I think in some states, New South Wales in particular, you can see the targets, the vaccine rates are very, very good, but uh, the country being divided seems like that's going to go on for much longer. The vaccine rate in the New South Wales is fantastic. We are on track at the moment to reach double dose 70% in just five weeks. That is astonishing. If we get to 70% in five weeks, I think most of New South Wales has reason to be really proud. And what we need to do now is get Victoria to try to catch us and also to get the ACT to try to catch us because there's no point opening our border if nobody will let us in. And at the moment, we could technically go to Victoria, but they won't have us, and that situation has to change. The, the dream of COVID zero is dead. We know that. We know that. And so the lockdowns were put in place to try to get the COVID numbers down to zero. Now that that's no longer the goal, we have to look at why are the internal borders in particular still closed. What is the point of keeping the borders closed now when we know that we can't get states down to zero? But if I played the role of Mark McGowan, of if, if I played the role of Mark McGowan right now and, and he doesn't have it in his state, he's closed the borders, it is working. If you're in WA, you're feeling pretty reassured and safe by that. D, um, is it unreasonable for him to take that position and, and just hold on to it for a bit longer? Well, I think that the last um, West Australian election proved very strongly what West Australians feel about this issue and Mark McGowan's job is to represent them. So as much as other people in other parts of Australia might feel differently, that's his job. And, and I think the lockdowns weren't just about getting COVID to zero, it was about making sure our hospitals weren't overloaded as well. And in New South Wales, we're hearing day after day from people who are standing up there next to Gladys talking about 
just how exhausted our hospital staff are and whatever, and, and WA doesn't want to be in that position. Well, they and already Queensland are, doesn't want to... They've already got a major hospital problem in WA. That's part exactly. of the problem. And, 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 and so Without none Delta. of them want to go there. So it's not a question just about getting Delta down. It's about protecting, in some cases, quite yeah, a precarious health system. And again, Tasmania is one of those as well. But how long can they go on for, though? Shouldn't the WA Premier be giving some indication, look, I'm keeping it locked until... You know, until there's something more reasonable, I need another X amount of time before I can safely say that I can pull the border up and remove the hard lockdown. Michael, well, I, think, Michael... I think the 12 year olds, when 12 year olds become eligible for vaccines, which is in a couple of weeks, then I really think they should be included in that number. And then when that number is around 70%, that seems like a reasonable time. Carolyn? It's a total fantasy, the idea that you can stop a virus. It's a virus. It's viral. So, yes, if you get everybody to sit in a box, it will go down to zero. And then as soon as they come out of the box and walk around together again, it will come back because that's what viruses do. So Mark McGowan can say in WA at the moment, we don't have any cases, but it's only because they're completely locked down. And the first time a ship arrives or a truck arrives or a plane arrives with somebody with the virus on it, it comes back. So we have to learn to live with it. And he knows that. He, of course, knows that. And to play the populist card and to try to fetishise zero and to talk about how I'm keeping people safe is really just politics, but it's not real life. Well, someone who's not going to WA is the former Collingwood president <laughs> and high-profile broadcaster, Eddie Maguire, denied entry to WA quite firmly ahead of the AFL grand final. Uh, Carolyn Mike McGowan said he's not essential, therefore he doesn't qualify. Is it a bit personal, do you think, with Eddie? You know, I really like Eddie and I feel sorry for him not being able to go to the grand final, but I also wouldn't have rewarded WA by giving them the grand final. Like, why would you reward behaviour like that? It's really quite disgraceful. The idea that you can have, for example, footballers' wives, wags, good, you know, celebrity sponsors, they'll all be flying in. Of course they will. They've made a bit of a show of not letting Eddie in, but all the other crew, they'll all be there. Meanwhile, you have people who cannot get cancer treatment, who cannot see their families, who cannot go in funerals of their loved ones, who's watching their mothers die on the iPad. Had. The idea that we are all in this together is a complete farce. If you're rich, if you've got a yacht, if you can charter a plane, then there's one rule for you and then there's one rule for the rest of us who have been separated from our loved ones in WA in particular for nearly two years. I wouldn't have rewarded it. I would have put the AFL Grand Final in Melbourne and I would have played it without spectators rather than give it to a state that is essentially imprisoning people in, in this country from either going there or leaving. Well, D and WA, they've, so? they've got a big stadium and they can have a full crowd and uh, they say they've fairly got the AFL, but Eddie's not going to be there. Well, do you know what? I think the most disappointing thing about Eddie is that he applied with his two sons as producers. Now, I reckon those kids are about 19 or 20. Oh, they, you know, but, it's like, but, but they are. They, they are. are. They work in the media. Are, are they actually yeah, producers? They are. Oh, OK, so yeah. are they his producers? Because I don't know. I, I feel like our business leaders, and, and Eddie is a business leader, need to be setting a really good example. And that feels like a kind of a loophole to me. So I think, yeah, I think it's just setting a bad example. It did seem personal, though, when Mark McGowan was talking about it today. <laughs> he seems determined to make a WA an Eddie-free zone. But I think Eddie's going to keep trying, so we'll see what happens. All right, Dee, Karen, I'd love you to have your company again. Thank you. Okay. You too. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that 
Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Now, Gemma's back with a look at the markets. Thanks, Michael. Well, a mixed picture across Asia. Early in today's session, Aussie shares were facing a much more punishing sell-off, but expectation of beating economic growth data helped local markets recover most of that ground lost. Wall Street posted a disappointing end to August last night, but still closed higher for the month overall. For the first day of September, US futures are now pointing towards a higher open. The oil price is steadying after a disruptive few days, courtesy of Hurricane Ida. The impact of production being forced to close was softened by hopes of additional supply coming from elsewhere in the world. And the Aussie dollar is pushing higher again. It is now buying close to 73.5 US cents. Michael. Thanks for your company this evening. From the team here at 7 News, that is the latest. I'm Michael Usher. Have a great night.